Must we return to this place? There's something else that I must know. Is that not true? Spirit, I know what I must ask. I fear to, but I must. Who was the wretched man whose death brought so much glee and happiness to others? Answer me one more question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? These events can be changed. can be made right. you show me this if I was past all hope? <laughs> I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. <laughs> I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons the spirits have taught me. Tell me that I may sponge out the writing on this stone. <laughs> oh, spirit, please speak to me. <laughs> So we were, <laughs> anybody ever seen it? We were watching The Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> last week. And I saw that scene, and I know it's a Muppet movie, uh, but I thought it was pretty powerful. Scrooge here is at the end of his life, and uh, the ghost of Christmas future gets to transport him to his grave. This is the legacy that you are leaving, Scrooge. This is what you've left behind. The lives that you ruined, the people that you hurt, the selfishness, the greed. And I was thinking about that as I was studying Acts chapter 20 this year. You can turn there with me if you want. Uh, we're going through the book of Acts this year in your Bibles, Bible apps. But I was thinking, so what, what if in our lives we had a ghost of Christmas future come and appear to us and take us to our future, to our Graves, kind of a sobering thought. What if the ghost of Christmas future said, this is what your life was like. This is what you did. This is the legacy that you left for the good and the bad. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? It, it might also be very sobering. The wrongs that we've done, the people that we've hurt, the lives that we've changed for the good and the bad, we'd get to see it all sort of outside of time and space like Scrooge did here. And so, in Acts chapter 20, as I was thinking about that movie this week and how interesting that would be in our lives to get to see the ghost of Christmas future and get to see years in the future, what have we done with our life? I was thinking about Paul. We've been talking about, a lot about Paul lately. 
And he is, uh, in Acts chapter 20, he's leaving the city of Ephesus in modern day Turkey. And uh, he's been ministering there. He's been helping people there. He's been setting up churches. He's been sharing, preaching Jesus. He's been uh, training and teaching and, and making disciples and pastors. And he had three amazing years in the city of Ephesus, which we talked a little bit about last week. They had that big old temple, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. He's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to set sail back towards Jerusalem. He's setting his face towards Jerusalem, almost like Jesus in a way. He knows that his death is coming near in Jerusalem. He knows that his time is running short and that in a few short years, his life will be over. They're going to kill him. And so he's reflecting, I think, on, on what's to come and what has uh, happened here in the city of Ephesus and his missionary trips. His, he knows that his life on earth is drawing to a close. What would be in your mind as you knew, if you knew that your life on earth was drawing to a close? What would you be thinking about the legacy that you've left, I would imagine? You ever heard that song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye? It's so true, isn't it? And I think Paul's feeling that right here. They didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have phones back then. They couldn't just video call or chat or email each other. He knows this is the last time I will ever see these people that I love so much that he's drawn so close to such a, a huge connection with them over three years. Deep, deep, deep relationships. He's grown very, very attached to them. And... Uh, it all got me thinking. Christmas Carol and the Muppets and Scrooge and uh, Paul and Acts chapter 20. It got me thinking, if I knew it would be the last time that I would ever see somebody, what would I say to them? And what would they say to me if they knew it would be the last time that I would see them? Those are questions <laughs> that like, we don't like to think about our, our finality one day, but those are questions we need to ask myself and what kind of legacy are we leaving behind? That's what I want to focus on today. Let's read what Paul had to say about things like this. Uh, Acts, you should be there, chapter 20, verse 1. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples. We talked about that uproar last week. After encouraging them, he said, farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, we all need that, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot made against him to kill him by the Jews, as he was to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Not my time to die yet. Verse 4. Sopater the Berean, son of Tyrus, accompanied him and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we, set, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So Paul's still traveling around. He's saying his final goodbyes on his missionary trip. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, uh, sitting, I love this, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul still talked longer. And 
that ever happened to you? No. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. He was listening to Paul preach on and on and on and he fell asleep and he was sitting in the window and he fell out and he died. I love uh, my Bible college professor. I think it was Dr. Jill. He said that you can remember this guy's name, Eutychus, because Eutychus too, if you fell out the window on the way to your death. And I never forgot that. Uh, so that's interesting. We're not going to focus on that, but just, that's just a fun little fact. Uh, verse 10, But Paul went down and bent over, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. This is like real quick. Paul raised the guy from the dead. And they move on so fast, but that happened. <laughs> Amazing, incredible, supernatural. Verse 11, And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while till daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive whew, and were not a little comforted. They were very comforted. Verse 13, But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul there, for, he had, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after we went to Miletus. These are real places, real history, just so you know. Uh, the Bible is real people doing real things in history. This was about 2,000 years ago. Uh, verse 16, For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, that's Turkey, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. We'll talk about that next time. But verse 17, this is what I really want to dig into today. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, Paul's words, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, Turkey, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How did I not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ? This is what I've been about. He says, verse 22, and now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He knows what's coming. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold... I know that none of you uh, among whom I have gone have about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face ever again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, the, the, the church people, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves, metaphorically, uh, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Verse 20, 31. Therefore be alert, 
remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You can tell how deeply these people mean to him. Uh, Verse 32, "And, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities. Uh, he earned his own money on the side and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What a great Christmas verse that we need to hear all year round. More blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, this was choking me up this week, he knelt down and he prayed with them all and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that he would not see, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. That's our passage for today. If you have a little insert in your notes, you can write this down. Main thing I want to share with you is that looking backward helps guide the way forward. Looking backward helps guide the way forward. Point the way, where do I want to go? Let me look at my life, take stock of my life, see what's happened in the past, what worked, what didn't, and where do I need to go in the future? And I'm telling you, I'm reading this this week, and I'm going, this dude loved these people. Like, there's a difference between a hired hand pastor, I'm just, this is my day job, I'm just doing this stuff, and a shepherd's heart. I love this flock. These are my people. Three years, the deep, intense relationships that he formed with these Ephesians, they had a special, special, special place in his heart. A strong connection of uh, a beautiful example of Christian fellowship. They're they're doing all the one and others. You know, they're caring, they're serving, they're they're loving, they're comforting, they're giving, they're sorrowing together, they're rejoicing together, they're teaching and training and, and sharing and preaching Jesus, going out, you know, being missionaries and praying with one another. So Paul he gives them some warnings, he gives them some encouragement, he looks to the past. What's happened here? He looks to the future. Here's what you guys need to watch out for. Here's what I hope for you. This is the last time I'm going to see you. And he kneels down and he prays with them and they're weeping and they're crying and he loves them so much. His heart is here in Ephesus. So much of his heart. And my goodness, just powerful. Powerful. Nancy, you want to cry too? Well, if you left, I would be Okay, I'm not Paul, but I would be weeping too for my church family and and the love that we all have for one another. I hope that maybe we're a little example of Ephesus, a Christian fellowship that loves and serves and cares and gives and rejoices and sorrows with one another. And if any of us left and we knew it would be our final goodbye, we would miss one another. We would weep. But like Paul will say, this is not the end. There's a better day coming. And I'll see you in the kingdom. I'll see you in eternity. When we cry, anybody cry before? I was telling my brother this week as I was working on this message, Alan, uh, I was editing a video, which you'll see in a little bit. I said, my eyes are leaking. (laughs) 
and I just miss them so much. And God gave us those emotions. It shows how deep you love somebody when you weep, when you cry. Some people say, oh, men don't cry. Forget that. We all have human emotions and we all have hurts and pains in our life. But you could see how deeply their appreciation went for one another, how deeply they loved and encouraged and cared for each other, how deeply they were involved in each other's lives. And Paul sharing this uh, last message with them, pointing the way forward, looking back on all that's happened. And I think that uh, we need to do that too. We need to evaluate what's gone on in our lives, what's transpired, what's happened in our past, not dwell on it, be like Elsa, you know, let it go, the past is in the past. Uh, not dwell on it, but we need to know what's happened and where we want to go in the future to help us go forward. I want to show you, uh, there's tissue boxes available on the side so this morning, but uh, I want to show you a video in just a minute of, uh, speaking of Paul, leaving final words, this is some of the last words that I have recorded of my dad from uh, a message back in 2016 when I got different videos of people sharing about Father's Day and leaving a legacy. Joyce shared a video back then too, I don't know if you remember that, about your dad. But this was a year and a half before he fell asleep in Christ and he was sharing these words of wisdom with me which are now seem like parting words. Go ahead and show that. When I reached about eight years old, they began to have problems in the house and my parents were arguing and a lot of things began to happen that made my life unpleasant. I saw a, thing, a lot of things that I didn't want to do with my children and that's what influenced me a lot when I had children was to reflect back on my childhood and how my parents responded to things, how they behaved in their lives and uh, I wanted to do the opposite. My father was good to me. My mother was worse than my father. <laughs> she had other things on her mind. So my parental, parent, parental examples were not very good. So I wanted to do just the opposite when my raising my children. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're pastor and preaching God's word as my other son is, and another son. How about that? And that makes me feel pretty good. I have to. I'm going to try really hard to hold it together. You know, like Jesus' dad, God said, I'm well pleased with you, my good and faithful son. You know, To hear those words from my father means everything to me. Um, multiple times my dad shared with, with us, our family, about how as he grew up, he would look back at his childhood and say, these are the things that worked that my parents did for me. That's what I want to do. And these are the things that didn't work. He had a really, really rough uh, childhood, as so many people do. And he didn't want to repeat the cycle. He didn't want to uh, play the part of the victim. And he didn't want to not look back and just keep doing what comes natural to us, which is just what we know. We do what we know as you grow up. That's why we need mentors in our life to show us different ways, 
big brothers and big sisters, to show us that there's something different besides our incarcerated parent, what have you. So he looked back at his life, evaluated his childhood, and wanted to, he was determined to, and this was with his marriage too, because his parents were divorced and his mother, his stepmom was alcoholic and all, all this stuff happened. It's kind of a long story, but he was determined to not have that kind of marriage. He was determined to not give his kids that kind of childhood um, pain and suffering, some abuse and neglect and frustrations and difficulties that he endured. He didn't want to pass that on to the next generation. He looked backward to see how he needed to go forward. What harmful habits that he grew up with that he wanted to get rid of. Take a look at the legacy that he wanted to leave one day, and he has. He had five kids, uh, 30-some grandkids and great-grandkids, still having great-grandkids, you know, and all of them, loving, serving, Jesus giving to people around him. My dad didn't grow up in a, a Christian home. But through the Lawrenceville Church in Springfield and people picking him up and bringing him to church and being mentors in his life, he got to know people outside his little um, difficult family unit. Some brokenness there. Oh, there's another way. There's a godly way. There's a better way that I can live. And I think we all need to do that in our life. How to change our lives. Um, what do we need to change in our lives? I want to do a little exercise. Raise your hand if you do not have a pen. Would you just please, no judgment, no judgment, but just if you don't come prepared, just keep your hands up in the air. Kent's going to go around passing out a pen. And we're going to do a little exercise here. And I, I didn't bring a book. Can I borrow this? Yep. I'll keep it right back. Thank you. So if you look on your bulletin insert, not only can you fill in the blank and look at that later, later and see the verses and you know, read those free devotions, but I have here a tombstone, a gravestone. And what I want you to do, I'll give you a minute or two of silence. What I want you to do is write your name at the top. This is a little sobering. This is real life. Write your name at the top. And then in the lines below it, I want you to write characteristics, qualities of yourself that you want to be... You remember that commercial? What do you want on your tombstone? Pizza, right? What do you want? They don't do it a whole lot nowadays. They just do birth date and death date and you know maybe a little phrase. But what do you want to be said about you on your epitaph? That's the last closing words... What do you want to be written about you, about who you are, about what you did in this life? What do you want to be said about your legacy? Go ahead. I'll give you a minute or two to write that down. Sexy. <laughs> Can we get Nancy another bulletin? Hey, you know what? I'm going to write one too. If you need a, a hardback cover, there's a, a book in the pew in front of you if you have a, your pens poking through. I'll give you just a minute to do that. It may be a longer thought after the service, but...
Okay, put your name at the top, and what do you want to be remembered by in the lines underneath? Now as you're filling that out, and you can add more later, is that a little heavy? <laughs> Merry Christmas! Hey, let's write about our death. Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to Troy View. But here's why we're doing this, is because it's really, really important to know who we want to be, where we want to go in life. Sometimes we don't think about it, you know, we just do whatever comes to mind, go with the flow of life. and. So to live life by the seat of our pants. But we got to be intentional and deliberate and purposeful to be the people called us. Jesus called us to be doing what Jesus called us to do. And so look at that. Look at your name there. That's a sobering thought. And those things that you wrote. Those things that you want to be. Those characteristics. Those qualities that people say at your funeral. This is who I was. That people write about you when you're gone or that's written on your epitaph, your eulogy. Are these things that I want to be true? Are they the way that I'm living right now? Am I making these things true by the words that I say on a daily basis? By the actions that I do... How I live, how I love, how I give, how I serve on a daily basis. Am I making these things come true? Or am I making the opposite come true? Nobody wants to have bad things said at your funeral, right? To have people say things when you're gone. But sometimes that's how we live. You don't want to be written on your gravestone unforgiving, bitter, angry, hated people, gossiped, greedy, lustful, terrible human being. We don't want that. But sometimes when a person cuts us off in traffic, we do that. <laughs> we be the things we don't want to be, but we got to know where we want to go. We got to have in our mind not only looking back at our past and what has led me to this point and what do I need to change in my life right now, but looking at the future, what kind of legacy do I want to leave? That's what Ebenezer Scrooge was looking at. And he's like, I got to change my life. He's like, oh, spirit, this isn't written in stone like I can go back, right? I can change my life right now. And he did. He was blessed to do that. Not everybody has a near-death experience and gets to come back and change their life. A lot of times we're just gone and we're gone. But near-death experiences do change people. Why does it take that much close to death to change us when right now we can change? We don't have to almost die in a car accident to change our perspective. We can change it right now. What are the things 
that you want to accomplish in this life? What are the things God's calling uh, you to do? I know this is a little morbid this morning, but I got to tell you the truth that one out of one people die. And we will leave a legacy for the good or the bad. And it is up to us how we will change the generations after us. We want to be like Paul. We want to be like Paul. Don't you want to leave a legacy of uh, compassion and generosity, of love and service and and giving? Don't you want to be the person who, who leaves other people with hope and joy and love and peace, who changes lives? lives of your family and your friends, your co-workers, or lives of a, a little brother, a little sister, impacting people for Jesus for many, 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 many years to come. Just one person can change the family tree. You may not have had a good childhood like my dad. You may have grown up in difficult circumstances. People sinned against you. They did terrible things against you. I'm sorry. The world is full of evil. They should not have done that. But it's our choice today to stand up and say, what do I want to do with the time that I have left? And not just like out there in the future, but like today. What do I need to do to get done today? Maybe write some things down. Write some. Take a look at this and break it down. Look, if I want to be a loving husband, that's number one on my list. If I want to be a loving husband, devoted father, follower of Jesus, and on and on, i got to stop beating my wife. Okay. Uh, not me personally, but the decisions we make today, uh, what do I need to start doing to show that I'm a loving spouse or a good father or a devoted follower of Jesus and on and on? If I want to be known as a, a generous giver, maybe I could start giving something today of my time, of my energy, of my money. If I want to be known as a servant, what can I do today, this week? To start serving somewhere. Partners in Hope needs people this week. What do you want to be? What do you want written on you? What do you want on your tombstone? Just think about that pizza commercial. Are you leaving a legacy of hate and abuse and neglect and violence and just awful? Are you like Ebenezer Scrooge harming yourself, harming other people? You don't want... I don't want that to be written on my tombstone. So, if we just... um, Wait for our life to magically fix itself? To magically, accidentally change? Things don't happen by accident, do they? Not often. It takes our choice daily, throughout the day. Our actions, the words that we are speaking to our loved ones, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, the things that we are posting and sharing. What does that say about us? Is that the kind of person... We want to leave the world with, leave behind, to be remembered by in the end. Because one day we will be in the ground, in a cemetery, and the only thing that will matter at that point is what we've done for the glory of God and the good of other people. How we've invested in other people. I've got in your notes some of these verses you might read this week in your devotion time. Matthew 7, Jesus says, build your house not on sand, but on solid rock. What are you building your life on today? Things that will last an eternity, make an eternal difference, or things that will crumble and fade, things of this world. I want to show you one, uh, one last thing in a, in a few minutes. And Joyce, I apologize. <laughs> Maybe I'll just... 
I just got to share how awesome your son was. Some of you were at the funeral. I'm not going to share a lot, but Greg grew up at Toy View Church. And um, just over uh, a month ago, he had said that his final weeks that he had left after his diagnosis, it was as if he were attending his own funeral. It was as if he got to watch his own funeral because he knew that he had limited time. And people from all across the country, maybe the world, shared with him how much they love him, how much he impacted their life. We don't all get to hear those things. But Greg heard a lot of that. And he did. He changed so many people's lives for Jesus and for the glory of God and the good of other people. And I kind of feel like in a way, he reminded me of Paul this week. Paul's saying goodbye. And Greg was here the Sunday before he died. Saying goodbye. And encouraging people in the Lord. Like Paul, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to see you again until the kingdom. But I love you. And a lot of people got to share a lot of things with him. Um, just powerful, powerful, powerful praying and weeping with his brothers and sisters in Christ because his love for people went so deep. And I do want to share this. Greg was a runner too. You'll see why I'm saying this in a second. But I found out that he was doing cross country in high school. And he used to go, on occasion, from Troy, cross country run, to Springfield, Ohio, now, if you've driven that, that's a good little drive. It's not short. But running it is a different story to see Karen in high school. <laughs> his high school sweetheart, who he ended up marrying, the love of his life, he would run there and back and spend a while there. This is, I don't know how many hours that took up, but he was a runner, which I knew Greg later in life, and I did not peg him as a runner, but he was, he was, and it was so interesting to me that he would be that devoted to Karen and so wonderful, and I did, that's commitment, and he was committed, and Greg running that race reminded me of Paul's words about running the race. He tells his son uh, in the faith, Timothy, this is what he writes in, in 2 Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation, Paul says. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. Just pretend that Paul's saying these words to you. Fully carry out the ministry that God's given to you. As for me, Paul says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. And I just keep thinking about Greg. He says, Paul says, the time of my death is near. He knew. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And he will to Greg. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Greg was running that race. And he finished the race. Last picture, Judy. 
Greg finished the race. And he finished his race well. And he stayed faithful to the end. And I just see those people's lives, those examples in the faith. So many of you know people who have gone before us. Examples in the faith. I just want to encourage all of us today to finish the race well. Wherever you are at in life, whatever stage, none of us are promised tomorrow. We don't know if today will be our last. And so today we want to live in mind of eternity so that we can finish our race well, like so many people have uh, before us. And that was Greg. And my father and so many people you knew finished the race well, stayed faithful to the end. What about you? Will you and I press on? Will you and I be faithful for the time that we have left? And we just don't know. Will you stay focused on the goal? Will you and I fight the good fight? And keep the faith? I hope and pray that you will. And will you leave a godly blessing to the people after you? What will you leave behind in this world? We only got one chance at this. I know we've all made mistakes. I know we've all done things we didn't want to do and said things we shouldn't have said. Kind of like Paul. When we know what we should have been doing. But that's not the end of our story. Today is a new chapter. And we can change and we can grow and we can be faithful to the people around us. Don't you want to hear... Well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus. I know I do. Yeah, Nancy. I'd be like one of those runners that needs somebody to come and support me at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> I could use some help probably toward the end. Well, we can all use help. We were talking in Sunday school about God won't give you anything more than you can handle. Not a Bible verse. Talk about temptation. But there are things in life that affect our race that give us more than we can handle and that's why we need Jesus and that's why we need each other and the fellowship of the saints. We need each other so much in our lives to live, uh, to help us live with the end in mind, to help us motivate, to limp to the finish line sometimes we feel like so we can fully live for Jesus and um, love others right now. We're going to sing our last song. Yeah, Savannah. Can you come up here? Oh, I guess. <laughs> well, just so we can all hear you. I know. I mean, I don't know that you laugh. <laughs> here, you go ahead. Um, so, Dan usually asks for prayer requests um, at the beginning of service, and I just got kind of busy today. Um, but I have come to un- create news in my life. Um, my dad ended up relapsing. A couple weeks ago, and on Friday, I found out that my grandma that raised me has lung cancer, and they don't know how long. Uh, she goes for a PET scan on Friday. They don't know if it's treatable or not, so I was just wondering uh, for hopes and prayers and that kind of thing. And it just goes with your your tombstone of my forgiveness that I need to be bringing to life. Um, but yeah, so if you could just keep them in the, your prayers uh, for love and joy and strength and that kind of stuff, it would truly mean a lot. So. Hey, stop. (laughs) We're going to pray for Savannah right now. Is that okay with everybody? You can't say no to prayer. (laughs) Here, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We give you our lives. You know that um, some days we do better than others. And thank you for your forgiveness when we fall short. I pray now that you would comfort and encourage Savannah, her family, bring healing in every 
way to them so that they can uh, give you the glory, so that they can continue on the race that you've called them to. I pray for Savannah that you'd give her courage and strength and wisdom to love her family. I know we all have difficult circumstances, uh, some families more than others, but thank you for your grace and your kindness, your compassion. Uh, in our lives, help us to, <laughs> to be a conduit to bring that to other people in our lives who have hurt us, including our family. I pray that um, you would pour out your comfort and spirit and love and peace. Give her and her family the love and joy and hope that only you can provide. We know you love Savannah and all of us so much that you would die for us and leave a legacy of abundant life that starts today and goes on forever. We thank you. We praise your name for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you. Let's stand and sing praises together. today a little different. I'm going to let Greg tell you in his own words what he said at the end of every single sermon that he preached, and that's the Aaronic blessing from uh, the Old Testament. So it's, it's in living life and living out life in line with the way God has set for us that we see his hand in, his, in our lives, we see, the, see how he works, and can see the blessings of God in our life. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. So, I was editing the video of my dad this week. And it's so great to see them again. And it's so hard at the same time. Yep. Love you. Love you, Mr. Tang.
That's right. Thank you for sharing him with the world. You're all such a gift to us, your whole family. It really is. Across the world. I should just put a tissue box in your seat. I know. I, when we got up to stand up, I took a Kleenex and she goes, you can have more. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to. <laughs>